on a journey. We continue to think about the wilderness journey of a Lenten season and how and where we can grow. We've talked about a lot of paths we can take. Talked about a path of challenge. Talked about a path of knowledge, a path of dependence upon God. Last week, we talked about something that really plagues us all, that path of doubt and how we get from mountaintop to mountaintop and how we deal with our doubts. I believe, help my unbelief. And today we continue on this path, today a a path of strength. And as you think about Jesus Christ entering through the gates into Jerusalem, knowing what he knew, what was to confront him, think about the strength that he needed. Think about who he turned to and asked for that strength. The same thing confronts us, for we need strength in our everyday lives. We face pain and suffering and anxiety and depression. And can we do it by ourselves? The answer is no. We look for that path of strength. And that path leads to one place, one place only. I wonder if you would join me today in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth as he writes in 2 Corinthians, and we go to the 12th chapter and start at the 7th verse and hear about strength and who he asked. 2 Corinthians twelve seven, and this is what Paul writes. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Back in the early 1900s, the turn of the century into the 1910, 1911, there was a young couple who went on a date. The young man was named Ole, and he had a girlfriend, and they went out on a summer outing, probably not quite the same kind of summer outing that you and I would do, because they took a picnic lunch out to a little picturesque island in the middle of a lake. What was different is that she wore a long dress with dozens of petticoats. And he was dressed up to the nines because he was in a suit with a high collar in the middle of the summer. And Ole rowed the boat out to the island here in the middle of the lake. He dragged the boat onto the shore and spread out the picnic supplies under the shade of a beautiful tree. 
He was so hypnotized by his girlfriend's beauty that he hardly noticed the hot sun beating down on him and the perspiration that started to beat up on his body. And softly she whispered to him, Ole, you forgot the ice cream. And so Ole dragged the boat back into the water and got into it. And he rode to the shore and went to a nearby grocery store and purchased some ice cream. He got back into the boat, rode all the way back to that beautiful, picturesque island, finding his lovely girlfriend under the shade of a tree. And he was overcome because she batted her long eyelashes at him in her deep blue eyes and purred and said, Ole, you forgot the chocolate syrup. Ole got back into the boat. Love makes you do strange things. He rode all the way back to the shore, went to the same grocery store that he had purchased the ice cream at, got back into the boat, started to row back to that beautiful picturesque island, only to stop in the middle of the lake. He sat there for the longest period of time, trying to figure out how he could make this idea that he had in his mind come to fruition because he had come up with a plan of how to move this boat without him having to row it. Now, he finally got to the island, and you'll be happy to know that he married that beautiful young girl under the shade of the tree, and they lived a long and happy life together. Now, you may recognize Ole by his last name, because his name was Ole Evanrude. Ole was the inventor of the first outboard motor for boats, Evanrude Motors. As I told you, love can do some strange and powerful things in your life. But Ole illustrates a basic principle in our Christian living that when life delivers a pain, when it delivers a problem, when it delivers some type of suffering, then you have the opportunity to make the best of it if you'll depend on the strength of God. If you've got a thorn that you can't get rid of and that God refuses to get rid of, then you've got to make some good out of it. Because in that thorn, God's given you a gift. Go claim it. Go claim it and make it yours. In chapter 12 here in this book to the church at Corinth, Paul illustrates the truth in his own life because in verse 7, he tells us a thorn was given to me. What was that thorn? I mean, we don't really have the faintest idea. It was something that was very painful. It was probably some type of chronic affliction. And sometimes Paul was totally disabled by this thorn. The best guesses are is that it was some type of epilepsy. Or perhaps it was just migraine headaches or a malarial fever that was common in the eastern portion of the Mediterranean where Paul was. But whatever it was, it was debilitating. I'm reminded by the fact that oftentimes people say growing old is not for sissies because everything hurts. And if it doesn't, just wait a minute. It'll hurt some more. All those things you did when you were 25 and just jumped up and ran off and did it, your body catches up with you. You get to 50 and 55 and whatever comes after that and things start to hurt. There are pains. There are thorns that you've got that will simply never go away. 
Notice that Paul says this was a messenger of Satan because the Bible teaches us that all diseases and all death came into this world as a result of our sin, our disobedience. When God created it, He made it perfect. There was none of this. People don't get sick. People don't die because God wills it. That's not the God that we worship. People get sick and people die because we live in a flawed world. A world filled with sin, a world filled with disobedience. And the thorns of this world are distributed indiscriminately amongst all of us. It's almost like a a hand of cards. You have to deal the cards you were dealt. And a thorn in the modern terminology is probably best construed as a pain in the neck. Ever had a pain in the neck? Man, until you have one, it's just something that never really goes away. It's a pain in the neck. But it doesn't have to be necessarily a pain. It could be migraine headaches. could be bad backs. could be arthritis that plagues you. Or maybe it's depression. Or maybe you have to deal with anxiety that really loads itself down on you. Maybe you have an unhappy marriage. Maybe you have an impossible boss to work with. Maybe you have children or grandchildren that are on drugs. Whatever it is, it's a thorn out there. A thorn that runs through different lengths and different severity. And most of us have at least one thorn, and I dare say if I was to ask you, you got more than one thorn. Maybe I should ask you now, what's your thorn? Don't tell me. What's the thorn in your life? What's that thing that you plead with God to take away from you? that somehow, for some reason, he doesn't. Paul prayed three times, we know that, and three times God said no. Nowhere in the Bible does it say our prayers are going to be answered the way we want them to be answered. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that every prayer is answered affirmatively in accordance to our desires. Here we are on the cusp of Holy Week, and we know that Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane asked God three times to take this away from him. Sometimes we discount that and say Jesus Christ was fully divine. But you also have to remember that he was fully human. He suffered the same things that you and I do. The same agony, the same pain, the same worry. Take this away from me. Please, if there's any way, take this away from me. But God said, no. And Jesus accepted it. Thanks be to God. Well, we wouldn't be here today. Some prayers simply do not get positive responses from God because he has the wisdom to know that there's something else better for us. It's not answering our prayers exactly the way we want them. It's answering the prayers exactly the way he needs them. How about prayers for sick people? You know, we all pray for sick people. Sean was doing that just a minute ago. And we know that God wants to heal us And I pray for a lot of sick people. And I believe those prayers are answered because I believe God works in three ways. Sometimes he uses the miracles of modern medicine. He uses the hands of doctors and surgeons and nurses and assistants. I'm thinking how marvelous things like the drug of penicillin and bypass surgery are. Those are real, real modern medical miracles. 
And then God sometimes works and heals in a second way that is unexplainable to us, and we just term it as a miracle. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you can see miracles all over, but you've got to be looking for them. God is at work in creation. And there's sometimes that things happen that we can't possibly explain. With all the science in the world, we can't possibly explain, and we depend on our faith because that's God healing as only God can heal in miraculous fashion. And then there's a third way that God heals, and that's available to all of us as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, that we will receive our healing on the way to heaven as we exit this life and enter the next one. And God finally makes us whole. Why does God heal in some situations and doesn't in others? We don't know. And only when we get to heaven will we fully understand. But we have to trust in God's plan, like I mentioned last week. That is what faith is all about, trust. And we need to trust in him. You know, despite Paul's thorn in the side, he had a powerful ministry. The greatest missionary there ever was. He referred himself as us as more than conquerors. But what was his secret? What was, what was Paul's secret? You read about it. Go to verse 9. It's a phrase that I want you to learn, I want you to memorize, and more importantly, I want you to live into it. Because it is the essence of this letter, and it may be the essence of our Christian lives. It's the promise that God gave to Paul, and thereby he gives us. What did he say? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Or if you go to the New English Version, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. God's strength will be given us in sufficient quantities to see us through the most difficult of times if we will but allow him into our lives and allow his grace to fill us up. Because his in grace, his grace enables us to deal with whatever thorns we have in our side, not only to cope with our own lives, but to bring some good out of our lives in the process. You know, I want you to notice that Paul didn't get this answer until he stopped praying and started listening. He stopped praying and started listening. So maybe that's something we need to take away too. I want us always to pray, but I don't want it to be 100% of us talking. Some of our prayers are words, and a lot of our prayers are just when we remain silent and we open our ears and listen for God's voice in our lives. If you think God's not hearing you, if you think God is far away, maybe you just need to be quiet and start listening. Start listening. Start listening. God can speak more loudly to us in our times of suffering and pain than any other time. Maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, but it reminds us just how dependent we are on God because, folks, there are some things that we simply cannot do ourselves. We can't get through without God. It reminds us just how important God is in our lives. Usually we don't think about it when everything's going good, but when things are going bad, who's the first person you call on? C.S. Lewis used to call suffering and pain God's megaphone. 
God's megaphone. These are the words that C.S. Lewis wrote. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, and shouts to us in our pain. It is the megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The megaphone to rouse a deaf world. More than anything else, God wants us to experience His grace. To know that we can do all things through Him. And there's no other venue where grace is felt more powerfully than in our suffering, in our pain, in our anxiety, in our loss. There's no other venue. My grace is sufficient for you. That's the path of strength we all need. That's the path of strength we need to follow day in and day out. We can't do it by ourselves. We can only do it in Him and by Him and through Him. And you can look at your suffering pain as an enemy to avoid, or you can look at your suffering and pain as a master to surrender to, or you can look at your suffering as pain as something that you can minister to others with in your life. You can look at it as a gift and say, God, use me. I have to, I have to share with you. I was talking to Mike earlier this morning. Mike Voigt, we were talking about this appointment and about me leaving. And I, I was struggling because I'm saying, why, why? And Mike, in his infinite wisdom, says, you know, I was thinking about that during your sermon. Maybe this is the thorn in your side. Maybe this is the thorn in your side. I've said, hey, take it away, take it away. God said, no. God said, I'm going to use that pain. I'm going to use that suffering. I'm going to use it for my glory. Maybe this is the thorn in your side. Whenever God gets the opportunity, he likes to show his strength. And it is in our weakness in those thorny places of our lives where his strength, where his power really shows forth. Fred Craddock is a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. He's a fantastic pastor. And he told a story about a pastor that he met who was without arms. He was born without arms. And this pastor told Fred that his mother did everything for him. She dressed him, and and she fed him, and she took him to the bathroom for years and years and years until he was about 10 or 11 years old. And then one day she came into his room, and she took his clothes and threw them in the middle of the floor and said, get dressed. And the young boy said, but mommy, I don't have to get dressed. I don't want to hear any more about it. And exited and slammed the door. And the young man just screamed at him and said, Mommy, I can't, I don't, I don't have arms, I can't get dressed. Why don't you love me anymore? Why don't you care for me anymore? This pastor said, I, I, I spent hours, I, I spent hours trying to get pants on, to get a shirt on, to hold myself just right so that somehow I could get dressed. And he said, it just didn't last a day. It lasted day upon day, a week upon week, and my mommy didn't help me. Finally, I started to get dressed. I started to learn how to get dressed. It was only years later that he found out while he was getting dressed in his bedroom 
His mother was next door on her knees, crying and praying. Crying and praying. God doesn't call our su- cause our suffering. God doesn't put those thorns in our flesh, but he can most assuredly use them. We will never be equal to the difficulties that life throws at us unless we acknowledge our need for God and let God turn our weakness into strength as only God can. The best witness that any of us can have is authentic Christian living where we take whatever hand we're dealt and we use it for His glory. That we stop moaning and groaning and crying and depend upon His strength and His love. Some of you have most assuredly had your lives shattered. Some of you most assuredly have lost things. And slowly but surely you've put the pieces together, but only the pieces you put together in God really count. Because He's the one that can make something out of your life, no matter how broken it is, no matter how painful it is, no matter how much suffering you've got. The power of God is never more apparent than, we are made, than when we are made strong by the relationship that we have in Him. You know, the Apostle Paul did remarkable things. Absolutely remarkable things. Even with this thorn. He didn't say, I can do all things. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me. The Holy Bible doesn't just say, be strong. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord. That's what we're after. That's what we're trying to do. That's the path of strength that we need to be on. My grace is sufficient for you, says God. My grace is sufficient. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. Whatever that weakness is, it's made perfect. Paul was one of the most powerful witnesses for the testament of Jesus Christ there ever was. And my friends, whatever strength we have, whatever strength we have to deal with this life and all the thorns it will throw at us will need to come from God. He is our refuge and His grace is sufficient. As I close this day, I want to close with a prayer. So when you close your eyes, I don't expect you to snooze. I want you to hear what I say because I know... I've sat there before, and I know what it's like at the end of the sermon. He's done talking. I can snooze. I don't want you to snooze. I want you to hear these words. They were written about 160 years ago. They were written anonymously. And they talk about prayers, what we ask for and what we get. And as you hear this, I want you to remember my grace is sufficient. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I asked for strength that I might achieve, but I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things, but I was given infirmity that I might do better things. 
I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. But I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. But I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but I got everything that I hoped for. And may it be for each of us this day and every day. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we close this day, we close triumphantly as we enter Passion Week, Holy Week. I want you to realize just how special this week is. This is not like any other week. This is the reason that we come to church. We are resurrection Christians, and we are about to celebrate that again. And I don't care how many times I've read the story. It is a powerful story. It is a meaningful story. It's the reason I stand before you. And I hope it's the reason that you come, that you're part of this church, because we are resurrected Christians, resurrected in Jesus Christ. As we sing this day, number hymn 159, lift high the cross, let it bellow out, folks. Sing from your hearts as you get ready for this holy week. Let us stand and sing together. 159, lift high the cross.